0: They say the world could be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if your hunger and thirst doesn't push you from position last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the goat depending on who you ask my brother whatever task got it covered like a mask guarantee they can't see me at the open run because i cook competitors until they look well done don't act like you don't know where i held from i had to climb up out the trenches sit on benches till my time and come don't be mad at the player be mad at the game sneak this in the hating that's a flag on the play me falling off huh? that'll be the day i'm like both in the race leave the track flan bay it's the okay. open run. Okay. Not a fan of bullies, but I understand some of the mentality around what bully is. A couple of months ago, I ran into a cat who was a bully to me when I was younger, and he couldn't be a bully to me anymore once I finally confronted him. Ended up being one of my best friends. Lost track of him some years ago. Found out he had retired. And he was doing okay. And the bullying began because we were playing football and I was scoring like wild touchdowns and he didn't like that. He was an older kid. He's probably like three years older than I am. And I recall he spit in my face one time, which should be a no-no for anybody. But I was so afraid of him, I just wiped it off and kept it pushing. Like the way he spit in my face was disrespectful, period. But I was a little shook. Not ashamed to admit that now, but then I was shook until one day I didn't want to be shook anymore. He tried to get tough and square up on me. On this day, it's like, you won't spit my face again. But I wasn't talking. I let my mitts do the talking. That's where I earned my nickname, Hands. And it's not just because my friends can count on me. They also called me charades because I speak with my hands and I speak with my hands. Those who know, know. Was I then the bully now that I defended myself against the bully? Did I feel a certain power that he didn't have anymore over me? Or did I use it to do good? Well, I've never called myself a bully, and I don't think I ever was, but being able to protect yourself in the face of someone trying to push you into a situation where you're not mentally and emotionally prepared for could be considered bullying. And before we go any further, I'd like to introduce myself and welcome you to the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are Press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter. Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found, including, and especially at this point, at anchor.fm. As I was saying before, bullies come in all shapes and sizes and maybe, just maybe, in the association... The team doctor is the bully. They're really a go-between for the players and the front offices of these organizations. So, for some odd reason, they always announce when a player, especially a star player, who has been out due to injury, they always announce that that person has been cleared to play. Not once do you remember Thomas Bryant being cleared for play. Not once do you ever remember Najee Marshall being cleared to play. Again, not disrespecting or shading those guys. Just a point I'm making for the sake of conversation. So when third person Ben Simmons, aka Zion Latif Williamson, says, I'll play when I feel more like Zion, even though he's been cleared for weeks to play. Well, he's been cleared to work out and possibly even play. When you clear him to work out and practice, fans hear that because you put it in the media. They go, oh, he can play. He'll help us make the playoffs. He'll help us through the playoffs. That's the intent. There's an intentionality behind releasing that information to the public for the franchise so they can be hands off, very laissez faire about this whole thing and say, well, team doctor said so. We're not the doctors. That's what they're saying. But I've been talking about hands and for sure, this is a hands off situation on purpose so it's easy for us as fans to blame zion who is on the verge of becoming a greg odin like bust to a lot of people because he's not playing because it seems as though he doesn't care about his physical health when he was in high school all the talents and all the powers he had were due to his genetics and youthful exuberance but this is the pros now it's a little bit different and so when the president of the national basketball players association and his teammate a man who was brought in to help guide this team as a leader as a calming force was asked if Zion was a distraction to the team and moving forward. Christian James McCollum answered the question without answering the question. He was hands-off as well. Hey, I show up every day, I do my job, I go home, play with my kids, enjoy the sunshine. But availability is a key thing to help chemistry that's on and off the court. How you practice, how you play, how you eat, how you sleep. All these things are vital to helping the chemistry of this team because this is a delicate ballet you have to dance in order to have a championship level team or at least compete for one at the top tier. Are there questions about Zion's diet? Well, four or five hundred been ago, we've been saying this. Sixteen hundred bowls of gumbo and plates of jambalaya, we've been saying this. How much does he really care about that? We'll find out his level of care in that situation sooner than later, but... As we go from hands-off to hands-on here on the podcast, I want to talk about Jerry Stackhouse, a guy who should get an opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA at some point soon, won a G League championship with the Raptors 905, is doing great things down in Vanderbilt to rebuild that program, and he's a legendary mixer of the mitts and NBA lore. Whether he's seen it on the court or off the court, there was a definite fear of him. Was he a bully? I don't think so. When he grew up with as many kids as he grew up with, and he was always bullied himself by his older brothers and sisters, he had to learn how to fight. So this is a legendary episode of Highly Questionable from ESPN with Dan Lebitard and Bomani Jones, friend of the program, and my brother. They interviewed Jerry Stackhouse, and he talks about how he laid those hands on certain people, and for whatever reasons, even a legendary tough guy like Charles Oakley, you know, he's like, yeah, he made sure that Oak knew he couldn't swear up on him, and they never went at it, but... He definitely put some hands on Jeff Hornacek, on a player. I can't remember the guy's name. He's like a marginal player who played for the Houston Rockets. Kurt, it's Kurt. Well, I can't remember Kurt's last name. Anyway, right, it'll come to me in a second. I know it. Thanked Jerry Stackhouse for beating him down after the game because they said, hey, I'll meet you in the hallway, and they did whatever they did. And he thanked Jerry Stackhouse because he was frustrated about his playing time. Of course, he didn't play that long in the league after that, but maybe he helped him along the way. I don't know. Maybe it's the same way that my bully and I have reconnected and seem to have made peace with what had gone on with us. But someone you might not have thought of as a bully, some people he was. His name was Jack Roosevelt Robinson. and Each April 15th, Tax Day in America, we celebrate the day that Jackie Robinson broke the color line in Major League Baseball. April 15th, 1947. If you read his history, you know what he had to face and some of the things he did to get there. Some people might have called him a bully. But he had to have the comportment to stand up in the face of the biggest bully, which is racism in America, in all shapes, forms, and fashion. To be able to be the one that took it so that the door would be opened for the rest of us to walk through it. And in the NBA, there's a story in that same year of the color line being broken. And not by Nat Sweetwater Clifton, who were there making a movie about broke the black color line in the NBA and became the first black player in the league because the first person to break the color line in the NBA was a Japanese-American man by the name of Wat Masaka, also playing for the Knickerbockers in 1947. And this time is very important because a day after Jackie Robinson's break this color line, like man who is the NBA, no matter what you think about it, he's grown in every era in the NBA and been a part of the story since he became a prep phenom and people thought he was going to be the best basketball player who ever lived arguably the greatest player to ever live, and the artist formerly known as Ferdinand Louis Alcinders Jr., of Abdul-Jabbar. A man who found himself, who faced bullies in every angle. Oh, how's the weather up there? Like, it was just difficult for a kid who was a shy kid growing up to become the person he's become, and be able to give back to our communities in ways that he has an award named for him, the Social Justice Award in the NBA, because of what he's done to fight and combat things in our society that are not fair, not equal to people who didn't have chances. He was born one day after Jackie Robinson broke the color line in the Major League Baseball on April 16th, 1947. It was also at the end of the NBA season, the first NBA season, on the same day he was born. Coincidence? absolutely. Good footnote, 100%. But to change his name from Lou Alcinder, happy birthday Kareem, by the way, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to find the attribute that best spoke to him was an amazing thing. And as a huge jazz lover, I remember him losing almost 20,000 albums in a fire in his home back in the 80s and people donating a lot of these classics back to him as he was trying to rebuild his life. One of those artists, I'm pretty sure that it was in his collection was another man who found his own attributes changed his name to Ahmad Jamal the artist formerly known as Frederick Russell Jones passed away this weekend at the age of 92 a life well lived I'm certain I'm also a big fan of his music because of my father blessed day who actually named his son his third son his middle name is Jamal because of Ahmad Jamal that's how I was introduced to his music And that my brother did not know the story behind his middle name until I shared it with him was amazing to me. I thought my father would have shared that with him years ago, but I told him that. And part of that, I wouldn't say that what I told him was inspiration for why he named all of his male children. Because he only has three boys and all of them have the middle name, Jamal, are attached to this story of Ahmad Jamal and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and my father. And that was my TED talk. So thank you for listening to my story. And come back for more of the Open Run with my special guest as we give out the awards this year, the Do Work Awards. On the other side of this, on the Open Run with Will Strickland. Back, give me more of what you asked for, it's the Open Run with Will Strickland in conversation with my brother, his real name's Armando, but they call him Chip, my man, Curtis Chip Langdon, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Well, it's been ten plus years since we've had a conversation, man. No, no. Yes, How long yes. has it been since we've seen each other in person, though? It had to be. It had to be I, Jersey City. Been, it might have been one time because you
1: remember I've been in the, I've been in Jersey City for the last since you left
0: and that went to To. You know, you know, that's like twenty plus years ago. Yes, yes. You which sounds, sounds crazy to say now.
1: And we cross paths. But, you know, I remember when you left, man. And we, you know, and, you know, fortunately with social media, we've been back in touch real heavy yeah. for the first time in, in 15
0: years, man. I saw you and, and a couple of my, our other old teammates from back in the day. For those who don't know, and I'm going to let you do this in a second for sure. As a matter of fact, as I do with each and every one of my guests who comes on the podcast, if you would please, sir, Run your resume. Let the people know why you're here today and how we connected as far as basketball, because you do have a storied basketball career yourself. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Curtis Chip Langdon
1: grew up in Philadelphia back in the in the late '70s, early '80s. Uh, my my story started, you know, in 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 the hood, playing against the likes of Jerome Poo Richardson. Uh, Bo Kimball, Greg Bo Kimball, Hank Gathers, God rest his soul. Eric Hank Gathers, Mm -hmm. Lionel Simmons, and the legendary Sunny Hill Basketball League in, in, in Philly, which ultimately gave me my visibility to compete at the college level. And I was recruited by a number of schools and decided to go to what is now Iona University, effective 2023 where I played from 1985 to 89 and was the captain my senior year. What I'm most proud of is the level of competition that I experienced, which made me realize where the game had evolved to at that point. First game in college, UNC at Carmichael Arena. Needless to say, I took a whip in there, my team and I played Never Nervous Purvis Allison, at Louisville, the year that they won back in 86, you know, had a great run for four years. And, you know, um, how we came together, we actually met through a mutual friend, Adam Rapp, who had a who had a crew of guys that were doing a lot of different things. Um, we wound up playing all out in a number of different tournaments around Manhattan and, and Brooklyn and Queens, man. We won the
0: Nickelodeon. Yes. Remember, yeah, we won the Nickelodeon tournament. I know we knew. I still have that jacket. I'm Do you not willing. Really? I still have that jacket. Okay. Okay. That jacket's at least still, 25 years old.
1: Yes, I still have the uniform tops, but okay. I can't find oh man. You know what? I'm I'm embarrassed, man. Then the next the next podcast I come on, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. I have my wife has been trying to get me to get rid of them for 10-15 years. She does but, not understand. But but you know, <laughs> it's still in the closet for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah, man, no, that was that was our entree you and I hit it off real well personally and you know you made a you made a life change and decided to go go to uh north america
0: <laughs> and I um, mean, look it, 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 the opportunity presented itself and everything was in confluence in the way that made sense for me so i made that move but i i just want to let you know that i remember times we played whether it's 92nd street wide in the city or like, wherever we played, West 4th, wherever it was we played, we got busy. Oh, period. no doubt. Now, no are, doubt. You sad, are you sad that the greatest coach in Iona College last Iona University history has left you to go to St. John's?
1: I have to tell you, man, learned 35 years ago that this is a business, man. And I, I respect Rick's decision to to make the move. It's about, you know, it's about adding to his legacy. Right. Oh no God. My freshman year at Iona, Pat Kennedy was the head coach. Right. And
0: he, okay, and he coached Florida State after that. If I'm well,
1: exactly. So my freshman year spring break, I got sick with the chicken pox, and was home in Philly. And he announced that he was going to Florida State, mm-hmm. and that was it. Never, I haven't physically seen him. In thirty-five years. Yeah. Well, so, so it's a business. It's a business. Well,
0: these kids in the transfer portal, the coaches are upset that they are free agents in college now. I wish we had that. I, did, I, I we, do too. I wish we had NIL rules too, because I would have been eating. I was already doing I had run I started my company in my dorm room. I NCAA rules be damned. Oh, no doubt. They're I dumb. had to eat. Oh yeah. You know, you know, it's it's
1: it's interesting that you say that because When you think about how everyone except the student athletes have benefited financially, I'm still trying to figure out what the turning point was, right? Was it when... Um, Ed O'Bannon, you know, decided to sue I was part to I'm yeah, part of that class action
0: lawsuit. Yeah,
1: and I was like, you know, was that really the, you know, was that really kind of the jump off? I think
0: about how long ago that was. And I think the jump off was in 1959 when Dr. Walter Byers yeah. made sure to stop the NCAA schools from having to pay workers' compensation. And if you have to call the athletes, student athletes, so you can make sure you don't have to pay workers' compensation, it's right. right there in the language. Fair. 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 You know, absolutely so fair. That changed the whole business model. And coaches who, who benefit from these young people and their labor are earning ridiculous amounts of money. So yeah. when the kids have an opportunity to do that, because there are more options today, when yeah. we're in school. You couldn't go to Overtime Elite and get a $100,000 sponsored by Melo and other people to play basketball. You couldn't go to Australia and make. $750,000. You couldn't go to Europe as an under, undergrad or, or even a guy who hadn't finished high school, like Jeremy Tyler tried to do it out of San Diego. Yep, He earned some money, but he was never an NBA prospect. He was just a good high school player. But again, the options exist now. And now they have to compete with the fact that people now know that Tony Stark is Iron Man and they don't care one way or the other. So they pulled the curtain back on Oz and said, hey, this is a violation they need to eat or what if all the student athletes walk? What if every black student athlete left the major revenue generating sports? Would it still be the same thing? Absolutely not. And this is no disrespect to Absolutely anyone not. else. Absolutely
1: this is just the fact
0: of the matter. If they walked away, Highline's gonna bring you that income, water polo at UCLA gonna bring you that revenue? Absolutely not. So at the end of the day, when you understand your power and you actually have some sort of collective understanding of what your power is, like they had a union they tried to start at Northwestern, one of the mm-hmm. best schools in America. Yep. And that union, even though it didn't succeed, it succeeded in a way that said, wait a minute, there's something going on here. That should have been happening for years. It didn't, yep. so be it. Mm-hmm. But there are now viable options out here for young people. And once they sure. changed the transfer portal, once G League came along, all this other stuff, mm-hmm. even though they're in collusion with the NBA, yep. with the You have to be at least one year in college. I'm like, what? Even on the women's side. Yeah. I think it's really draconian for them to hold on to the notion they have to be with a graduating class in order to be eligible to play in the WNBA.
1: And I've said for years
0: that if a woman, if a woman like Caitlin Clark, a woman like Paige Beckers, who had that kind of profile and stroke, challenged that rule and became Spencer Haywood and said, we're going to go hardship." And I'm going to sue the WNBA, the Players Association, and the NCAA to make Mm -hmm. waves. And they win; it changes the dynamic. Absolutely. And because they don't have the control anymore, they try to do all kinds of things. Like here, all right, we'll let you guys earn. But NIL is just a—it's a smokescreen. Absolutely. Because only certain people are going to earn from NIL. Not everybody is, for sure. Just because you have the option to do that. And that's what I said. I wasn't even playing that much after after I got injured. I wasn't playing that much, but I had a radio show. I had yeah. a TV show down there. Yeah. I started my company in my dorm room. I was going to eat. I've would have been on the bench. Like, I got this new Lambo. I'm wilding wow, out. <laughs> you you laugh? I'm being one hundred percent. Oh no no, no no! I'm
1: I'm I'm, la- I'm, I'm laughing at <laughs> you know the fact
0: because you cause know facts. I do know no Absolutely. doubt. So Absolutely. you know I can't. La- I don't lament these kids having what we didn't have, but I do recognize the fact that we didn't have that. And if we had had that as a person who is as smart as you are, you would have figured out a way to leverage that and make sure you earn from that and maybe even transfer it to Florida state without losing a year of eligibility to play for Pat Kennedy at Florida state. Yep. Who knows, but who knows? We're, we're talking about the pros now. Yeah. absolutely. And, here, and when we're talking about the pros, we're going to give away some awards here on the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with my man, Curtis Chip Langdon of Iona, college not university <laughs> uh, look man before the playoffs as things have changed we talked about the change in the ncaa what about the change in the nba where they went to the play-in system where it forces these lower tier teams to compete to the very last day of the season instead of like okay well i made the playoffs i'm gonna chill and the rest mm-hmm. of everybody yep what do you think about the playing system you like that you know i i do
1: like it but I've had to evolve. Well, I've had mm. to evolve because it's it, it, part of it is a money machine, but it's also the philosophy of trying to keep all of the the lower um, the teams at the bottom of each of the you know conferences engaged. Mm. Um, so I totally get that and and I respect it. And then you look at what happened with with Dallas, right? Dallas decided to tank anyway, and they still had an opportunity to compete for the play in. So from my perspective, I, I definitely think it's a good thing setting aside the you know the, the additional revenues and what what I'm seeing, at least in the first game, of it's been very, very competitive.
0: Oh, we're gonna get into that in a second for sure. Because if you get in playoff mode a little bit before the other teams have been sitting down for a week, yes, that puts some pressure on those teams that already had guaranteed spots. Exactly. So now instead of eight guaranteed spots in both conferences. Now you have six guaranteed spots. You have to fight for the final two in each conference. Yes. And these guys, depending upon who it is, you're going to play one or two games to get you in playoff mode. And there's a difference. Yes. As you well, you, Absolutely. stated this just a second ago, that it is a level of competition that some players and some teams are not really ready for. They hear about the playoffs, but to yes. actually, and they watch the playoffs, but to be engaged in it is a whole nother beast, a whole nother animal. And sometimes the playing can be used for this. Now, my man Josiah Johnson, who is the king of of basketball, NBA Twitter. Mm -hmm. His dad, Marcus Johnson. You know Marcus Johnson from our era. Milwaukee Buck primarily finished up with the San Diego Clippers. Before they went to L.A. Word is born. Multiple-time all-star. He was easily one of the top small forwards in the NBA in the 80s. Absolutely. was Raymond from White Man Can't Jump. That's right. I'm going to go get my gun and shoot all you motherfuckers. (laughs) That
1: was him. (laughs) You know I know, man. I watched his entire career. No, no, he was
0: nice. He was nice. But his son is like the king of NBA Twitter, and he announced, or he, I guess, suggested that they should have a way-off tournament for the final four teams at the bottom of each conference to play for that number one pick, which will be Victor Wimbanyama. There's no question he's going to be the number one pick. He's going to change the valuation of any team that gets him by half a billion dollars the minute he steps on the tarmac at whatever city he lands in. Absolutely. So what do you think about that as a way-off tournament for the final four teams who decide to tank? They have to play for the right instead of getting it through the lottery system. Play for the right to have the number one pick. Can I be a little controversial? No, you say what you say. Okay. So I I hate to say it, man. When
1: I look back on the lottery since – You know, Patrick when Patrick Ewing was was drafted. How is it that Patrick Ewing goes to the Knicks? How is it that LeBron goes to Cleveland? You know, Tim. You know, Tim Duncan goes to to the Spurs after they tanked. You know, twenty years ago. And David, don't get me wrong. David Robinson was hurt, but a lot of these drafts have seemed so set up percentage wise to accommodate certain teams that, you know, I, I I completely agree with that idea of competing physically for, you know, the 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 number one draft pick in the, in the upcoming lottery. I
0: have something to say to you about that, first and foremost. You remember before the draft, there were territorial drafts. Yes. So Oscar Robertson played at Cincinnati. Guess where he got drafted to? Cincinnati, Cincinnati Royals. Yeah. Right? Yep. Bill Russell didn't. But there were no teams in the West yet. So the most right. the westernmost team, the St. Louis Hawks, yeah, drafted him. Yep. But Ben Kerner was a racist. Yep. It was St. Louis. Yep. And he traded an all-star to get a guy who you'd seen win. And he won two NCAA championships, just got back from Melbourne, Australia, winning the gold medal. And they're like, nah, not him. Not him. Suntan too dark. Send him to Boston. Red Auerbach knew exactly what he was doing when he did that. Right. So of course. When he drafted Larry Bird a year before his eligibility and held on to him yeah. for a year. Yeah. So this has always been the business, it's always going to collude to make sure you get the highest profit and gain. But to a, a award teams who intentionally tanked the right to get the number one pick. Yeah. Whether you think the lottery is, is rigged or not, yep. whether it's the frozen envelope and Dave the Bush or Blessed Dead. Yeah. got the number one pick. Patrick Ewing played in DC. He didn't yeah. play, he he went from he was from Boston. Right, you know. So why were the Knicks? Well, the Knicks needed, at time before you had the internet, to play in New York City, mm-hmm. the most visible city in the league and the yep. country. Yeah, have number one pick. It made sense from a business standpoint. Yep. it made sense from a business standpoint. To with David Stern becoming the commissioner in '84, mm-hmm. to say, you know what. For our first 40 years of existence, almost 40 years of existence, everything has been about the teams. We didn't really promote the players. We had Will, we had Jerry West, we made Jerry West the logo and then lied to him, telling him, oh, that's not you. Who are you going to trust, me or your lion eyes? And the picture is actually Jerry West. Of course. They, so they don't pay him for that, right? But he said, you know what? Instead of being about the Celtics and the Lakers and the blah, 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 we're going to make it about the players. There's a reason why we went to go merge the leagues in 77. He was a league counsel the nba and in, in 76 when they got the four teams from the aba Ooh, david stern was, or, or stern david stern was that is he good was the know counsel and he was an associate commissioner at the time for larry o'brien so when they get the aba because they wanted julius irving the most exciting player you've never seen on television he had paul mm-hmm. bunyan stories all day right so they bring yeah. him in yeah. they still don't market him. Even the sneaker company didn't market him, right? It was just Dr. J the Dr. J, but not about attaching that to the sneaker, something that yeah. people can hold on to. You couldn't hold on to Dr. J. You couldn't have him. Yeah. You didn't have social media to attach to him right away and talk to him online. Yeah. So there was a difference. And then yeah. when you got Bird and Magic coming into the league and Converse still running the sneaker thing, they never said, here's the Magic show and here's the Bird shoe. It, it was just the weapon. You just attach that to their teams because – were a black shoe, Magic worthy Laker color shoe, but it wasn't their shoe. It wasn't a thing that pointed to their personalities. And then you get to Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington, as he is as called. Wilmington, yeah. North Carolina. Yes, sir. Sir Michael All in Brooklyn Wilmington. moved to <laughs> Wilmington NC, no doubt. Yes. So that is his name, St. Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington. He became the fulcrum of everything they did from a marketing standpoint moving forward. That's where the league changed a lot, right? But to award those teams that tanked with the opportunity to play the hardest they played all season, Mm -hmm. nah, I'm not with it. But I like the fact that it even came up as something because now we do have the playoffs, right? And when you're watching the opening games on Saturday this past weekend, Mm -hmm. one of the games that stood out was, of course, involving the Knickerbockers uh, versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Knicks have done a fantastic job of sticking to their core principles, sticking to a guy that I didn't know be good in this era of coaching, Tom Thibodeau, mm-hmm. and finding something in a great free agent move by bringing in Jalen Brunson to steady that ship Absolutely. versus a team in Cleveland who made another good move in the offseason when they pulled in Dominic Mitchell. Yep. So when you watch those games, game one, the Knicks win it on the road in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Are there any adjustments that Cleveland has to make in order to defeat these guys, or are the Knicks going to run them out of here in at least six games?
1: First of all, the bigs for Cleveland were non-existent,
0: soft like porridge.
1: Yes, if they if they don't if they don't get get some 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 uh, contributions from the bigs, then it might go five because. Mm. You got you got all them lefties, you know, on the Knicks lineup start I don't think I've ever I, seen I a, a
0: lineup with three starting uh, players with who are left-handed. left-handed. I think I think, left-handed. I think there's one time the Golden State Warriors had something like that. Okay. It was Chris Mullen, Chris Gatling and somebody else, I can't remember who it was. Before a minute they had three lefties. But it's very rare you see that in the NBA. Right.
1: And I very mean rare. all very skilled at their positions. Mm. Um and giving
0: RJ Barrett a lot of credit, but we'll we'll stop there.
1: Well, uh, I tell you what, with with Rick Brunson, with excuse me, Jalen Brunson, pa, with Jalen there, yeah, he's better than he was in my 100%. opinion. so um that's that's the value of bringing someone in who no one thought was going to be what he is in less than you know in less than six months with a can new, new organization.
0: Yes, can I stop you? Because yes what he did in Dallas to help lead them to the Western Conference Finals. Yes. with Or without Luka in the lineup. That's right. People fail to realize he and Josh Hart, he and Josh Hart were former national players of the year in college, won two national championships. They understand what it takes to run a team and be a part of something like that. Absolutely. Why would that not translate into the NBA, which you have more freedom, a bigger court. And like, I, I don't get it. There's a reason why Draymond Green was a second-round pick who was a National Player of the Year himself but has four rings because he understood the assignment. He got in the league. He knew he was a tweener. He wasn't going to be a power forward. He's never going to be a, a small forward as far as like being able to do all those things. So he said, what can I do to help this team? Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, like look at these guys who are National Players of the Year like that. They play those roles perfectly in the NBA. And so the Knicks have done a great job with that.
1: I, I agree 100%. You have to give... You have to give their uh, their leadership props on that, because the average person that watches a game regularly doesn't necessarily look at, you know, the strategy or the analytics or the mental part of bringing certain, you know, bringing certain styles to a particular team. And the, the, the way you the way this team was crafted over the course of this last year, I'm I'm I'm, I'm impressed. I'm amazed. There's no superstar on the team, mm. um, and yet they are – they're cooking, man. They're cooking.
0: I mean, I wouldn't call them the 2004 Detroit Pistons quite yet. No. But, well, I mean, I wanted
1: to, to have that conversation, though, don't well, you
0: think? Detroit put <laughs> themselves in that position by being very competitive in the same way the Knicks are. They have quality backup coming off the bench. Emmanuel quickly finally found his his footing in New yep. York. I didn't know he was going to stay there. Like, And then – to injury gave him an opportunity he seized the moment yep and is doing his yep. thing is one of the sixth man of the year candidates so Absolutely. you have a lot of talent on that team and on the other side you know Kobe Altman and those guys in Cleveland have yep. done a great job bringing um not only getting Jared Allen who has to play better but yep. Evan Mobley one of yeah. the defensive player of the year candidates yeah. as well has yep. played better but Darius Garland they gave him the check you got to do the thing when it counts the most. Yep. You missed the playoffs by a little bit last year. Yep. Here's your opportunity. So, yep. you know, I can't fault him for a bad game one. I thought he had okay. a subpar game one. It's but one it's game. one game in his first playoff game in his career. Mm-hmm. He'll have a chance to redeem at home. I think they play, if I'm not mistaken, tonight. Or Is Tuesday. It tonight? I'm sorry. Tuesday. No, they play Tuesday night.
1: Tuesday night, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So they play game two in Cleveland on Tuesday night. But the other game of the day, like the beam. Sacramento King, the first time in the playoffs in 16 years versus the reigning and defending world champions, Golden State Warriors, and in a very, very, very good game where the Warriors were up. The Kings showed a lot of metal coming down the stretch. Malik Monk, along with his former University of Kentucky teammate, De'Aaron Fox, could be a first team or second team All NBA guy. Oh, yeah. Came out and defeated what many will say, is the better backcourt. And Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second. Oh, he's an all-timer. And play oh. Alexander Thompson in the first game of the series. Now, look, for the Warriors to not win game one, it doesn't really matter to them. It matters immensely to a team that has not been there that long. It matters immensely to the psyche of that team that had their head coach win a championship last year in Golden State, Mike Brown, who's could be the coach of the year in the NBA. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. But... When you look at that game, is it one of those, oh, what's the champs? It's one game they know how to do it. They can turn it on, they can turn it off. But if that were the case, they wouldn't have had an 11 and 30 road record during the regular season. And again, as great as you are, game one showed you you had had the game on lock. And then the most clutch guy in the the fourth quarter in the league this past year, De'Aaron Fox, took over and did his thing along with Malik Monk. Oh, yeah. And he played it and he played, stepped straight up too, which was, that was a scheme. That was a scheme. And, I, you know, he had to trust De'Aaron Fox as an all-star mm-hmm. and as their best player to be able to do the job that he needed him to do. And you miss those matchups where you have the best facing the best. And you have a guy like Malik Monk who has been bouncing around the league for a little, you knew he was – like he's, the, he's one of those feast or famine guys when you have him on your team. Mm-hmm. When he's hot, you love it. When he's not, you hate it. Yeah. He went 14 for 14. Tying the record of a guy we just talked about who got traded for Bill Russell Ed McCauley went 14 for 14 in the playoff game in 1957.
1: And that's the last time it happened.
0: Right. Until the only time it happened. Yeah, until Malik Monk did it. Yep. All right. So when you get here and you look at game two, what kinds of adjustments will the Warriors make to ensure that they don't have that collapse in the fourth quarter? Like, well, I, you know, I'm not going to call it collapse because it went back and forth and they had a chance to win it. And they had a chance to win. Yeah. You put, or at least tie it. Tie it. Fair. Um, And you put the ball in the hands of, a guy who changed the game, basically, and mm-hmm. Steph Curry. Yep. Are they going to make any adjustments, or are they going to say, yeah, hey, just need to clean up some stuff"?
1: I, I think. I think part of what they need to to do is 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 buy some time for Andrew Wiggins to get his sea legs under him. Right. Mm. He's only been there for what a week or two.
0: Yeah, a week. Um, yeah.
1: And saw he was off, you know, a half a step. He missed a couple of wide open jumpers. I think if he's able to pick up his, pick, you know, pick up his part of the game and the contributions, I think it'll be a, you know, a seven game series, but he has, to, he's got to be, in my opinion, the X factor. Cause you know, they're bigs, you know, they got some bigs that are competitive and athletic, but I mean, you know, they're going to make a contribution one or two games out of them. You know, they need, they need that third or fourth option, which I feel yes. Andrew is.
0: Yeah, but let's not discount the, the contribution of Kavon Looney, who is a champion, a veteran, a guy they trust, and yeah. has done his job on Damanis Sabonis, who led the league in rebounding. But he does, he's not going to out-jump you. He's, gonna, but he's a smart player. Mm-hmm. And you have another smart player on a smart player like Sabonis is, and you run your offense through Sabonis. For him to negate Sabonis to the degree that he did in game one, Sabonis mm-hmm. is going to have to show that he's an all-star and dominate at least – without taking away from what they do for Sacramento to win game two and even be able to win on the road at Golden State in game three when that happens. But Mm -hmm. enough of that. We want to give out some awards here as we do the (laughs) Do Work Awards, the second annual Do Work Awards, the regular season edition, along with my man, Chip Langdon. Let's make it happen, man. Let's go with the first one. All right. So you've had an opportunity to look at these things And the first award we're going to give away is the Ski Mask All-Star. So the Ski Mask Way, no ransom note, you're stealing money from your squad. And I had a couple of names, but I wanted to know who you thought was the Ski Mask All-Star or the Ski Mask Way All-Star for the 2022-23 season of the NBA. Oh, my God, Will. This should be easy. It's close in proximity to you.
1: Oh man, you know I'm I'm not good I'm not good at this because I was I was gonna say Trey Young or something like that.
0: I'm gonna tell you who it is. Okay, Benjamin David Simmons. Was he an All Star this year? Or are you just you talking about this CMS, like, just somebody who's stealing money? He's the, the pro-stealing oh, yeah. money. Absolutely. Uh, he fair. is. He is sitting fair. on that check. Yeah, I could have said John Wall, but you know you, you made 44 million dollars this year to do nothing. I can't be mad at him
1: fair uh you know what i you know i clearly was not thinking about thinking about it from that perspective 100 100%. percent. i know you think
0: about guys who are actually
1: playing money for two years
0: (laughs) then that's so are you are we in agreement for ben simmons as being the cms way all-star this year absolutely i mean i did i did have zion latif williamson on that list too yeah yeah but ben simmons easily wins that one easy easy all right, Hands so up. play the play hard all stars. So I had three candidates: mm-hmm. Jose Alvarado from the Pelicans, Pelicans. Gary Payton, the second from now, the Warriors. He was playing; well, he was injured most of the season for the uh, Trailblazers. Trailblazers, yeah. Um, and then you know Austin Reeves, A.K.A. Mayo Mamba, from the Lakers, <laughs> and Josh Hart, who we just spoke about. So the play hard all stars. I can't. If if you had to pick one, who would it be and why? I
1: I'd have to go with Austin Reeves. I mean, because he was a two-way player coming in, or two-way, he was on a two-way contract, mm-hmm. and he just went in and played hard mm-hmm. and got noticed. And then the next thing you know, he started putting up numbers. He's going hard on both both ends of the court. Um, mm-hmm. and most importantly, LeBron trusts him. Sorry, what sir. Mean,
0: sorry, sir. Yes, we can't yes. say that name on the podcast.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: He it's goes he by trusted. because people get very, very emotional when you say his name. So we utilize the hashtag, he who shan't be named.
1: He who shan't be named, hashtag, <laughs> trust him. Right. And this guy's confidence level is through the roof. Went mm-hmm. undrafted, had a decent college career at two major schools, mm-hmm. and – is passionate, loves the game. And if you works. notice,
0: if you notice on almost every team that hashtag plays on, there's always that underdog white guy who we trust immensely. Whether it's yeah. Matthew Dover, Dover who got a, a sneaker deal from playing with him in Cleveland.
1: Oh, what he, you he owes
0: him three quarters of his contract. Oh, 100%. So you can't call former rookie of the year Mike Miller one of those guys in Miami. But maybe it's the Birdman. Birdman, Birdman, Chris Anderson, who was that guy for him, right? And then you look at when you had Alex Caruso in L.A., and now you have Austin Reeves. So it's always those guys who feels like, okay, they are high IQ guys. I couldn't call Birdman that, but I get it, right? But he was a big.
1: He knew what his role was, and and he did it. He
0: got it done. No doubt. You look at that situation, and I would say that I would pick Austin Reeves, too, although I love Jose Alvarado. Even though they didn't make the playoffs this year, I think Jose Alvarado is one of those guys that has a lot of respect. I remember Joel Embiid and he got into a a mix-up last year Mm -hmm. and he got fined and and Embiid paid the fine. He's like, look, that's my, my brother. Whatever happened on the court, I know he's trying to make it in the league. I respect that. So he paid his fine for him. I don't know if a lot of people remember that, but
1: I I remember hearing it, but I it didn't come it wasn't top of mind for sure. But I, I, I'll tell you, I personally think while you know he who shall not be named was <laughs> out for ten games, Reeves mm. was turned
0: Jeremy Lynn, didn't he?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I think I think that is why I went with him for mm. that particular award because at the end of the day, they they could have been out of contention altogether. No yeah. doubt. You know, no if doubt. it wasn't for him
0: stepping up. Hey, look, you start 2-10 and 10 and you end up 41-29 and 29 to make the, the play-in at least, and now you're in the playoffs and you win game one. Yeah. It's hard to ignore it. The
1: play-hard all-star.
0: Full, they're full strength now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, full. I don't know what's and up with AD. Is he ever full strength? But they have capacity now and they have an opportunity. Fair. And I, I was surprised at how they did Memphis in Memphis. But – We'll get to that in a second for sure. Uh, The play hard all-star, Austin Reeves, a.k.a. Mayo Mamba in the house.
1: Mayo Mamba.
0: He with us, all-stars. He with us is the worst because that's the guy that you let shoot because he thinks he can really shoot. He shoots the bop Koozie-esque 38 or 39% from the field overall. That means he's playing for the other team. Like, oh, let him shoot. Scotty oh, no shoot. Oh, I know that. You I know,
1: know how that, know that is when know. we played,
0: right? So – who would you call Who is you say that guy is that he would us all star for 2022 23? Oh man, let me throw some names out to you because I have some okay. that I had on my list for sure. Fair. My guy, I love him to death, but Fred Van Vliet wants to get the big check. He shot 39% from the field, that ain't gonna do it. My man Lugans Dort from the OKC Thunder, another 38 39% shooter. Royce O'Neal from the Brooklyn Nets. Another 38 39% shooter. His teammate, Dorian Finney-Smith, the 3 and D guy. I don't know about the threes, but he's shooting 38% from the field. And, of course, the irrational shot taker and shot maker guy, Dylan Brooks, a grand total of 39% from the field. He with us all-stars. We're going to let him shoot. I didn't put Russell Westbrook on here for a reason, but he could have been on that list as well. They disrespect no. the former MVP to that degree. He should be on this list. As a matter of fact, we're going to throw him on there. Who would you pick? A he with us all star.
1: You know, I you know I, I hate to say it, but I, I'd have to go. I'd have to go with Russ, man. I mean, mm. uh, he's fallen completely off the charts, but he's still relentless. Mm. Oh, we're gonna get into that for sure. Right. He Did right. help them win the game last night, right? Yeah, but yeah, we have to talk about him. for shooting. It, it's it's. I, I think it's it's in his head. It's almost like it's almost like he's been. You know, in a in a, a a slump for for two and a half years. Uh
0: that that's been you know. since the bubble in 2020 when the Lakers like totally disrespected him when he was playing for the Rockets. Yeah, and they were letting him shoot, and he got thrown out of the game. Like it was wild. He yeah, had little kid screaming at him, like he was wild. And we're gonna get into to Russell in a little bit, but yes. I like that pick. I'm gonna go with a guy who's in the playoffs right now, and Dylan Brooks, Canadian. And I like Dylan, Brooks. some of these shots, you're not him as Austin Reeves called himself last night. I'm him. <laughs> you're not. You're not him, Duncan. You are not him, Hortons. You are not, you know, whoever Tim is. That's not you. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm going to give that award to my man, Dylan Brooks. It's probably an award he does not want. But hey, it's one of those things here on the open run. Will Strickland in conversation with Chip Langdon talking about giving away the do work awards, the second annual regular season awards. This edition, we are giving away the meal plan ball on the budget all-star. And I think a couple of guys who are on the play hard all-stars are going to make this list. And I think about guys like Austin Reeves, who's going to get a big check next year, Mm -hmm. Jose Alvarado and a guy who's not playing, but would have helped Minnesota last night, I believe in their game against Denver in their opening round game, Nas Reed, who was playing incredible basketball when both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns were out of the lineup, mm-hmm. so ball on a budget All Star, I, I I I got an idea. We're probably going to pick the same guy based on those three I just named. <laughs> so, that's how we proceed? I think we should proceed, man. Austin, Austin Reeves, I'm not, hes a multi—wow, um, multiple time winner here in the award show. Yeah, Austin Reeves, do yeah, work,
1: man. I mean, how do we not? How do we not go there? He's he hard to. to get a big check.
0: He Had a huge game in the fourth quarter that I mean, like, anyway, we'll get yeah. into that in that second. Um, yeah. the all points bulletin all star, he's missing in action. And I only had one player, the 2021 2022 rookie of the year in the NBA, Scotty Barnes. Oh, my! His averages are exactly the same as they were last year, so he's the rookie of the year. But as a rookie of the year, the leap is supposed to happen in the second year. He had a slump, yeah. you can't stay. I mean, there's one thing that's to talk about consistency, there's another thing to say, stagnation. And for him, I don't know if he had a defined role to the degree that he thought he would have because it, is it Pascal's team? Is it Fred VanVleet's team? Is it Scotty's team? And I don't think that any of them are alphas on any team. Mm-hmm. And so with that, maybe it's it, it slowed down and stunning some of Scotty's growth. But rookie of the year, he played great his rookie year. I'm not saying he didn't play – I mean, he was – better in some areas worse in others mm-hmm. but for the most part his averages are about the same as they were last year when he won his rookie of the year campaign but you're supposed to improve each and every year what did he work on in the off season His three point percentage get better no he's a good defender but they helped his team and I, I feel like he was just like okay I'm here mm-hmm. and so that's why I named uh, Scotty Barnes as my all points bulletin all-star where you at my guy where you at so did you have any
1: selections or are you good with that you know well from again for my first time on on the podcast man i see clearly i have a lot of homework to do <laughs> i try I, to tell you you know and i could be i could be you know i can pull some things you know pull some things out but clearly i have some work to do but oh, uh that's the,
0: the do work I it, is, sir yes so our Andrew Bogut, and I, I need to change this because a lot of people might not remember Andrew Bogut, but he was always injured um, when he was in Milwaukee, and, and he got injured when he was in Golden State in a very key moment. And then he went to the Lakers, and one minute into his career in the Lakers, he got injured, then retired. So he, had the Andrew Bogut, the All Injured Reserve All Stars, and this is pretty easy. The starting lineup had Zion, Latif, Williamson, Kawhi, Anthony, Leonard. Anthony Marshawn Davis Jr., Devin Armani Booker, and Benjamin David Simmons on that team. And shout out to AD for coming back and showing some toughness after the injury in the first half of Game 1 of their first-round playoff series. And Kawhi Leonard for balling out of control in Game 1 as well.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. I I, got to go with with Zion. Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, he was a YouTube sensation playing against boys, Right. Goes to Duke, has a very good freshman year, showed some toughness, and then he gained he gained so much weight, man, that he's he's never been in shape. Gumbo and Jambalaya. You know, he's 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 never been in shape, and for his game, he needs he's gonna have to make he's gonna have to make a Draymond Green decision. Because if you remember, mm. Mark Jackson said, Look, man, in order for you to be effective, you need to lose. 15, 20 pounds and keep mm. it off mm. and, and you know, stay focused. Four rings later, boom.
0: You know who's a really good example of that, though, from a size perspective and a, a career longevity perspective? Mm. Udonis Haslam.
1: Played at oh, almost man. 300
0: pounds when he was at Florida. Yeah. When overseas came back sculpted, ready yep. to play and contributing to three championships in That's Miami. Right. That's so right. while he's He was never the player that Zion Williamson is. The examples are there for him. And I think when people start to reach out and figure out who you need to talk to and really who's going to get at you seriously, that's one of those things. So I would definitely agree with you on the Zion part of it because it's almost like a waste of talent, and you don't want to see that happen for someone who has that talent. And I've, I've talked about this where these kids play so many AAU games where their bodies are not fully formed yet. Yep. And so by the time they get to professional league where you're going to play at a harder, higher level, Yep. That weight on your body and, and all the the games you played before you were even 18 years old, they're going to show up. And it's going to show new up, new and that's year. kind of sad. Yeah, it's different. It's different if you're playing intramurals and you're not going to be a guy that's going to play in the NBA and you play in your 20s and you get injured. It's not the same. When you're right. going to check for this and you're expected to do certain things, yeah. it's going to be a problem, right? Absolutely. Um, so Zion Williamson is the all-andrew-bogan injury reserve all-star yes, for this so. year. The who he played for All Star? Now this is a guy you didn't expect to be that dude. You want you didn't expect him to be him, and there was only mo- one pick for me. And you started to see this before he got traded from Phoenix to Brooklyn. Mikhail Brooklyn Bridges, yeah, who he yeah. played for All Star this year for me, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. about to find his moment, and he's going to find that check as well because man. He's playing I mean, well. He could. He could be an all-star next year
1: if he if he stays as consistent for sure. I can't. You I know? can't
0: see a kid who did the work, who's an Iron Man, who's played 392 straight games. Yes, who wants to play the game,
1: right? I college, college and pro, right? Right.
0: I'm yeah. saying like if it's in your DNA and you work at it, and you could see the work. He knew he was a third banana behind Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Even let's just say for the sake of conversation, he was Joe Johnson in Phoenix. He's the fourth banana because DeAndre Ayton got the money and he's the guy on the on the front of the building. Yep. Along with Booker and, and um Chris Paul. Yep. So with that being said, I think we have a very solid who he played for all-star and Mikhail Brooklyn Bridges. Shout out to Iron Eagle for the Nick Nomenclature.
1: That's I'm, my man. guy. Iron Eagle is he he's he's
0: he's on point. I no like him and you know,
1: Jim Jackson together.
0: Yeah, they're good. They're good. They're together. So this award is a new award, the Thanassus. We gave this away in the preseason. The that's a guy who's just lucky to be in the league right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so when Charles Barkley once said that the Nassus kumpo should be happy that his brother is Giannis, because that's the only way he would have a job in the league, <laughs> I crack up. But when you think about it, I mean, he's the cheerleader guy, you know, and I named some guy that maybe I was upset with. Okay, I feel like the worst trade in NBA history was made for him and Rudy Gobert. I've been calling him Booty Gobert because it's a bad fit. It's a bad fit in Minnesota. And he gets exposed in the playoffs every single year. Once the guards start to know they can go at him yeah. and not worry about him being a, a shot blocker, like he's a good help defender, but a one-on-one man defender? I don't know. I don't know. And they when you when you run switches all the time, Terrence Mann became a rotation player because of what he did against Rudy Gobert in the playoffs two years ago. Utah had the best record in the league. They did nothing with it. Yeah, they had to trade him. Yeah, there's nothing going on there. Yeah, he had to go. Cool. For sure, they hit their ceiling. So, Booty Go Bear, Booty Go Bear, Booty Go Bears. <laughs> his game is wild buns.
1: Yeah, man. No arguments here. You know, I again, I'm getting an education on the awards this year. You know, but, you know I'm thinking I would have never thought Rudy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he is a hundred million dollar guy, right?
0: 200. Right. So he's lucky to have that contract. <laughs> right. But I mean, just the way they value him yeah. in a league that has gone smaller. Yep. You know, even, I mean, you talked about the two big guys in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. If you want to prove that big guys still have a place, you have to do better in these situations. Absolutely. And they have not shown that that's the case. Fair. And so, yep. I mean, Rudy Gobert could have easily been on the, um, D. Asway All-Star mm-hmm. situation. He could have easily been on that. For sure. Um, but the last award before we go to break, yep, is the you're gonna get this work, the comeback player of the year award. And we just named him a guy who was out most of last year, who has been injury prone, who played incredible in game one, and who was an NBA champion, a two-time finals MVP. And quiet Anthony Leonard was my pick for the comeback player of the year. Who would you have?
1: I, I can't argue with you on that one, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't.
0: I've been, you know, I'm like a lawyer. I've led you into your answer. Oh, I, that, I know right? exactly, what, you're I know
1: sorry, exactly sorry. what you've done. <laughs> I know exactly what you've done. You know, I there's a lot more research and a lot more work for me to do, to to you know to to be prepared, and and I will be. Okay. But uh, I do I do appreciate that. Although I still have issues with Kawhi. It's like this this guy. I mean, he is incredible. He's mm-hmm. Incredible, and what happened that you know he was, you know, he was pretty, he was pretty much an Iron Man. He played all the time, and then all of a sudden, when he wanted out of Saints, you know, out of uh, no,
0: no, no. And this, I'm going to give you something, okay? I've said okay. this before to people, and it happened with Zion this year too, because people are mad that he said, "Yo, I'm going to play when I feel like Zion," even though he's been cleared. The people who clear you to play. Why do they announce that you're cleared to play in the media to put the pressure on the player to play when they, he may not be mentally ready to play? He might be physically ready to play, but there's a part there. So it puts the onus on the player to get out on the court because the team wants the asset to be on the court to play and help them earn money, make the playoffs, make more money, make the play and make more money. But the team doctor, there's a, a word in front of the doctor that means something. The team doctor has an obligation, first and foremost, to the, to the franchise. So that happened with Derek Martel Rose in um, Chicago. Yeah. It happened to quiet Anthony Leonard, who got back on the court, played nine games, got re-injured, never played another game in the Spurs uniform, even though he said he was not ready. Got injured, ended up in New York getting physicals and everything else, never came back. Yeah. Ended up in Toronto, wins a championship. Who knew? Yep. Yeah. So whatever issues people have with them, I think even with Zion, people can have issues, but if he's injured and he's not mentally ready to play, You can injure your team doing that. And you don't want that, right? Because if you're not ready to play, you can do more harm than help. You can't be a decoy out there like you're Zion. You have to do something. And if you're not ready to play, if you're not ready to make explosive plays and create the kind of uh, havoc you can create in the court, he's right not to play if he's not ready. But part of him not being ready is what C.J. McCollum talked about in his post-game interview when they asked him about, is Zion a distraction? He said, look, man, I show up, I do my job. I play hard. I go home, play with my kids, you know, live happy, but availability matters. Mm-hmm. And that availability comes through proper diet, proper sleep, proper all this. So he said, Zion, you are a distraction without saying Zion, you are a distraction. And as the president of the yeah. players association is only so far he can go and, and like shitting on Zion too, as a leader of that right. team is only so right. far, I can go there. All you Absolutely. can do is say, this is what we need to do. This needs to be the, program for everyone on the squad to take that next step yep yep but we're gonna take our next steps by coming back for more on the other side of this with my man chip langdon on the open right. run with will strickland You're now listening to the sounds of the Open Run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from the mic into the speaker in conversation with my man, Chip Langdon of Iona College, not Iona University. (laughs) Chip, we've been giving away these awards, man, been doling them out, but we've been talking about the playoffs as well, and we saw some really key games. But let's talk Heat and Bucks, where we saw a potential MVP, a two-time former MVP, go down in game one, and the Bucks losing the game Game one on their home court with a team they have a history with, yeah. In the past, now they swept it out the last time they played, yep. But Jimmy Butler's a different type of beast, yeah. So, what did you see in game one that, that that stood out to you? Bottom line, if you're not full strength,
1: it's going to have a psychological impact, regardless of whether you're home or not. Mm. One, two, if you're if you don't have teammates that kind of step up. You know, when you're used to someone being the number one option all the time, then, you know, there's some adjustments that need to be made. So maybe Mm -hmm. that'll be an adjustment. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to to Jimmy Butler, to me, Jimmy Butler is one of the most underrated superstars in the league and Mm -hmm. has been for a long time. What I really like about him more than anything else is that he will do whatever it takes to win regardless he's a dog he's a dog man he's a dog you know he's you know he's a high percentage free throw shooter down the stretch Mm. you know he gets in his he gets on his teammates and 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 pulls them along with him Mm. right he's one of those guys that probably won't win a championship Mm. but They won't hold it over his head like they hold it over Barkley's head, right? Right. Uh,
0: Different type of energy. Different different type of energy for sure.
1: You know, you know, very driven. I thought he was a problem for a few years because well, because he bounced. He went from Chicago to, you know, to Minnesota to Philly. Mm -hmm. And then when I realized that he was like, look, man, I need you know, I need to be around people that want to do whatever it takes. They want to compete. Mm-hmm. won't compete. And he's on a team that wants to compete. And he's got a coach that will, you know, that will go out there and compete with you. you right? Know what I mean? So so that really that really um resonated with me in that game. And then you, well, you,
0: you I'm sorry. When you have Giannis go down like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. They actually won when they when Miami went to the bubble championship. Mm-hmm. They beat Milwaukee four games. The one, the one game Milwaukee won was the game that Giannis didn't play. Now Giannis yeah. is a fully formed figure now at this point. Yep. But you know when you look at, as a matter of fact, was he the MVP in 21 or in 20? I think he was. So he's the MVP that year because that they won year? two in a row.
1: Right, and they, so they were out.
0: won MVP, and they they were out. Yep. And the one game they won, Chris Middleton led them. Chris Middleton led them in this game. They didn't win the game. But they will have to make adjustments. And they're more loaded now than they were then. They are also the oldest team in the league now. Milwaukee. Milwaukee is the oldest team in the league now. (laughs) They got Joe Ingles and guys like, you know, these guys are in their 30s. Fair. Right? And you look at the fact that, and I said this before, there's a corollary that goes on here. The Eric Snow corollary. Mm -hmm. It goes with my man, the one-man army. Jimmy Butler's teammate at Marquette, Jay Crowder. Yeah. If Jay Crowder's on your roster and you're going for a championship, you will not win. Yeah. In 2020, he was a starting small forward for the Miami Heat. Did yeah. they win the championship? Nope. In 21, the starting small forward for the Phoenix Suns nope. was Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. You let Jay Crowder be on your squad, Milwaukee? I, I don't know. It's hard to bet against it because Eric Snow was like that. And in 90, yeah. and, and 96, oh, and 96 he was the backup point guard for Nate McMillan and Gary Payton. And, and yeah. um, Seattle. Yep. In 2001, the starting point guard for the Philadelphia 76 was next yep. to Allen Iverson. Yep. Eric Snow. In 2007, in the NBA Finals for Cleveland Cavaliers, starting great. point guard, Eric Snow. Just saying. Yeah. Just yeah. saying. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I want, I want to wish both Tyler Hero, who broke his right hand yeah. in that same game for the Miami Heat, and yeah. Giannis a speedy return for a great series. I don't see an upset here. Because I think Giannis will come back. We've seen Giannis come back before. Yeah. I think they have enough to defeat Miami, but Miami's not gonna make it easy. No, sir. They will not no, make sir. it easy. And no, we, we talked about like the storylines in the matchup between Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant playing against each other in the playoffs. Yep. Which is amazing when you oh, see the yeah. Suns and, oh, and yeah. the Clippers playing. There's so many storylines here. Oh yeah. And and you know, everyone presumptively thinking that Phoenix is going to be that squad coming out of the West because they had Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Kevin Wayne Durant. But in game one, the guy we talked about earlier, Kawhi yeah. Anthony Leonard showed up. But Ty Lue does not get his credit for scheming the way he schemed because no one saw Nicola Batum starting. No one saw the guys he had starting for them to make them stronger defensively in game one, mm-hmm. and it worked. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. still down to the end of the game. And as poorly as Russell Westbrook shot, his energy in the fourth quarter, those offensive rebounds were key, and the block shot against block Devin shot. Booker was the biggest play of the game. Absolutely. For a guy who shot three for 19. Yes. And ran up on some folks in their sweet box at the arena. Come on, dog. You're doing it all. He's doing He's doing the most, man. 100%. Yeah. yeah. But you got to give it up for the Clippers for, at the beginning of the season because they saw that roster of – like, you got a bunch of guys between 6'6 six, six and 6'9 six, who can play interchangeable parts in the game the way we see it today. Mm-hmm. That was going to be dependent on the health of Quiet Leonard and Paul George. Paul George out for the series, but they didn't make a difference. And you saw some of the the, the the holes in the Phoenix game. Yep. Because they've only played, like, eight, ten games together. Exactly. And exactly. so that chemistry, it, it does matter. It and does. Um, and, you
1: know – you you have to watch. You have to watch and understand what it means. Just because you run it up and down the court and you you, you learn the offense and what have you, it, I mean that's we always have to get a feel for one another. And I think that's at at any level, but at the at the pinnacle, it takes time. And that's what I'm saying to you. You know where I felt like, you know, and I, I won't go off the rails too much, but. You know, <laughs> But when you think about the 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 you know whatever was going on in Andrew Wiggins' world, now he's coming back. He's in. It's going to take him. You know, it's going to take him a little bit of time. Yeah,
0: yeah. So but your you core know. unit has been together. Yeah, core units there. Yes. And, and so um, people say uh, they're better than their record. No, your record is who you are. But absolutely. you get to start over in the playoffs, the second season. And absolutely. Do, absolutely now. I have questions about the Suns. Do they have the mental? Capability, and when I say mental, I mean like I should say testicular fortitude. Okay, to protect home court and to fix the things that that were wronged in game one. Like, what can you do? Chris Paul has to get more involved. He couldn't get to his spots. Terrence Man, they had longer, two, um, bigger defenders on him that you could see he's lost a little bit of a step. Mm-hmm. He can't play too much of the background. They need him to be more. But he was engaged. I mean, he had almost what well, he had seven points, but he had like ten or eleven rebounds. Yeah. And um, 12 assists. So he's still yep. playing his game. He just Absolutely. missing shots. They need him Ow. to make shots in the fourth quarter. He was that clutch guy in the fourth quarter of the past few Wisconsin. years yep. in OKC and then also in, in Phoenix. So they need him to be more productive late in games. Indeed. But I'm looking forward to game two and then the final game that we're going to cover here on the open run, the Lakers versus the Memphis Grizzlies. There are people that are saying, "Oh, the the gates open for the the Lakers to win the championship." On, they still got to play the games. It's hilarious how the only team that gets affected by injury and every championship in NBA history has been affected by injury, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I'm talking to some guy talking about it. it was was only a modern issue. I'm like, in 1958, Bill Russell done sprained his ankle in game three, and Bob Petty still had to put up 50 points in game seven to barely beat the Celtics in game seven in the 58 finals. They could have won 12, 13 straight, but they didn't. Mr. Eighth straight. but they didn't they did that's life so when you see the fact that stone cold steven grizzly adams is out for the rest of the season brandon clark two key contributors to what Mm -hmm. memphis does and their whole identity and their chemistry Mm -hmm. have they made the adjustments to to face a team like the lakers who though the seventh seed still the lakers when you have the hashtag on your squad like, well, the like second that. season, it's it's 0, zero. 100%. 100%. Right? So people look at the seedings, and they don't look at the fact that it's zero zero, right? And one game can change the course of the season for you. And in game one, Memphis got punched in the mouth. It did. Reed showed up in a way that no one expected, except the people who know the work of Phil Handy, who is one of the best conditioning and training coaches in the NBA.
1: I, say, I follow him all the time on, on YouTube and and
0: TikTok, for sure. The things he shows these guys, and he, he figured out gaps in the defense of Memphis without Adams and, and Clark, where he said, really, this is where you're going to get your shots. This is where you're going to get scores. You have to be prepared to shoot. You can't be, be passive. They're going to count on you. And he bought into it. Same thing with Austin Reeves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They will tell you to your face that that's the guy. So let's give him some credit as well for yeah. a great game plan, being able to help his squad because it it was a squad win. They almost oh, had cool. six guys or five guys in double figures. Double figures. five over guys 20. with twenty points. Twenty points. That's right. Like think about that. That's serious balance. And five over so twenty. How do you, how do you, how do you game plan for like guys like that? Devin Bain was like yo he probably played the best game of his life, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So you want to mean that as a diss or a recognition of the fact that he played the best game of his life and you have to scheme for him now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because well, if sure. you're
0: – but here's the thing. If you start blinking and you scheme for a guy who who is not in your original game plan, yep. you've already lost. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So you already know what the hashtag, you already know what Anthony Davis is going to do, but now I'm looking at is D'Ansel Russell going to show up in game two? Yeah. Dennis Schroeder barely played, but he hit the big three to get them into the playoffs. Now you have some I issues. I know. You have some things to think about. And Taylor Jenkins, who yeah. I've said on the podcast on many occasions, I don't know too many white people with the last name Jenkins. Because who's the slave master Jenkins? You know, I know a lot of black people with the, slave, with the last name Jenkins. But how many white people do you know with the last name Jenkins? Yep. I didn't even think about that. I feel you. I feel you. Just saying, just saying. The <laughs> podcast is—I do a lot of this on the podcast, Mike. No, so it's all good, man. It's I've, like, I've listened to several. Yeah, you know, so he has a lot of scheming to do for Game Two, mm-hmm. and with the specter of Demetrius Jamel Morant not being available for Game Two because of his hand. Yeah, man. As well as Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr. played. I mean, t- you know what? They—they—they they, they actually won more games, a lot of games, with John, John the lineup. Because yep. they have a, a guy who could start for many teams in the NBA and Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. led yeah. the league in assist to turnover ratio for the past five years straight. Yeah. yeah, That's a guy you can trust. Yeah. And he's key for a team like this in the playoffs. But losing John Morant, you lose a lot of that. I mean, Tyus Jones is no John Morant. No, sir. He's a solid player. But John Morant puts, puts a level of pressure on your defense that not a lot of people can do in this league. And he's only 23. Hmm. You know, but talking about these awards and is he on the, this awards list? Because I think so. But wait, as we wait. go through these awards, the second annual do work award to the regular season edition featuring my man, Chip Langdon. The first award I'm going to give away, the Jerry West Clutch Award. Now, there are three players who are on this list. De'Aaron Fox, DeMar Darnell DeRozan, and Jimmy Butler the third. Who's your selection, sir? now this is for for the for the, the clutch award. or for the clutch for the award that's
1: award.
0: For the, the nba season. these are the, the first awards were my awards got it, got the, it. these awards are the nba awards so these are the three nominees for that award and who do you select i i haven't honestly i haven't seen a huge body of work
1: but i would go with dearon fox mm. um i mean this kid has been good since the minute he stepped on the court but mm. Mike Brown has given him the keys to the kingdom, yes sir. And he has really he's he's playing, you know, he's got the freedom to play and and make things happen. So for me, I would go with him for, you know, what I have seen of him and what what I think for the regular season of what I saw of him.
0: Look, the the best fourth quarter scorer and most clutch guy in the fourth quarter is going to get the award for me as well. So, we're going with De'Aaron Fox. With the the inaugural Jerry West Clutch Award in the NBA next the league, the most improved player in the league. This is going to be a tough one. Yeah. Jalen Brunson, Larry Markinen, and Shea Gilch Alexander of the three candidates. Who do you select, sir? I gotta go with Shay, man. I gotta go with Shay. Because
1: I don't I don't think I don't think of Jalen as most improved. I mean, really? we're talking about we, we were talking about we were talking about the value that he added to, you know, to Dallas, and he carried that team
0: right. So maybe last year, but Shea, I mean, but see, because it's a regular season award, and we fair. didn't see Jalen do his thing until the end of the season when Luke got hurt, and then in the playoffs. But as a regular season award, it could have been Jalen if he had played like this. But we saw that we right. saw the potential in him to do that. Yeah, yeah, and so. I mean, it's hard for me not to say Shay. Like, you dropped, you jumped your scoring average up almost eight points a night. And you could see this. If you said, who won the trade between OKC and and the Clippers right now, could be OKC. Yeah. Because your return on your investment has been phenomenal. Absolutely. And a first time All Star this year. Mm -hmm. And it's it's tough. When Laurie Marketing went to Utah, Utah started off great. Everybody thought they were going to tank. Yep. They have a Rookie of the Year candidate on their roster. Nobody saw it being a Rookie of the Year candidate. But they rebuilt their team on the fly. Yep. And it looks a whole lot like what Trader Danny did in Boston, what they're doing in Utah. So I'm not going to knock that. But Laurie Marketing made a, a market leap as the finisher. That's with two ends. I love the fact that they yes. put that name like that. <laughs> I love that Nick Nomenclature. Really? And um, and then you, like Jalen Brunson's is hard to pick against. But, I mean, Because and especially because they're in the playoffs, the Knicks had made the playoffs before and they were with Julius Randle. Then they fell off the year and they needed a stabilizer back there. And they got the right one because they're back in the mix and they look like they could beat Cleveland in seven games. I'm not saying that, but they could be. You get you have no argument. I I could see I could see this series going all the way. But yes, sir. We're going to shake. Gilgis Alexander (laughs) as as the most improved player of the year and the National Basketball Association. Six man of the year. Bobby Portis Jr., Milwaukee Bucks, Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knickerbockers, and Malcolm Brockman, former rookie of the year for the Boston Celtics. Who do you um, choose, sir? I feel East Coast bias in your heart.
1: No. 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 <laughs> so you said Bobby you said, Portis, Bobby Quickly,
0: and Malcolm Brogdon. I'm a
1: Bobby Portis fan, personally. And by the way, they're all in the East, right? Um, I'm
0: Milwaukee, not so much more Midwest, but I'm with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, Bobby <laughs> Cortis, man, you know, his, his body of work has been, has been solid. Now mm. the one thing that I think he needs to improve on is driving to the basket and, and doing a pull-up because, you know, he, he's great, you know, as a, you know, an open shooter, but, you know, the next level for him is to take two steps, take two dribbles and try to create, but, uh, he would be my guy for this year. Well,
0: in in game one, you saw a little bit of the mixing of all of his game. The post jump hooking him to death, yep. you know, hitting threes, yep. playing defense, rebounding, energy guy. He's never going to buy another yep. meal in Milwaukee in his life, right? After the championship run, so he's right. a Milwaukee guy for life. Yep. And yep. Bobby Portis is a good pick, but I'm picking Malcolm Brockman. I think with the tumult they had with the firing of Ime Yudoka, bringing yep. in a rookie coach and Joe Missoula going to the NBA finals last year, what were they going to do to improve their team to take that next step to make sure they won? And of course, you know, Marcus Smart had to feel a certain way about them bringing in another point guard, but Malcolm Brogdon is the kind of guy that will play his position. And hey, look, I'm not here to change anything other than help us win and be a leader off the bench as well. And he's shown and proved that. And Marcus Smart has right. falling in the line. And so I think, I'm going to go with Malcolm Brogdon for the second-best team in the um, in the East with Boston Celtics as my sixth man of the year. Shout-out to Ben Matherin. At the beginning of the season, he looked like he was going to be the first person to win rookie of the year, and he was in contention for that, as well as sixth man of the year. That would have been something to see, but he couldn't sustain that throughout the season. So it is what it is, but Ben Matherin, I want to give him a shout-out to uh, Montreal, 100%, one of our cities for full court. 21 candidate this summer. That's <laughs> what we do. That's what we do. Yes, so, sir. executive of the year. Who do you have? I'm going to give you the three I put on the list. Scott Perry for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brunson, almost said Rick Brunson. Yep. Kobe Altman from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, who was mm-hmm. supposed to be a punishment. We're going to send you to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland has all-stars. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. And... Last but not least, Rob Polinka.
1: <sighs> I, I gotta go with Scott Perry, man. And I'm not a mm-hmm. Nick fan. I'm not right. a Nick fan. But for his vision and his influence, now I will say Leon Rose and World Wide West, they they have some, you know, they have some out there. But they put together, you know, a hell of a squad. They are they play within themselves, they're competitive, they're they play, they fight until the end. Mm-hmm. Every, every single game, man, and I I was really really impressed with the you know how they played all year and you know Jalen, you know I, know I know I didn't give him the award for most improved, but he's a leader.
0: Yeah, he's I, an absolutely. I think that's a good pick, and I think what you said about culture, about identity, they started mm-hmm. to shape the team and the identity of the coach and the identity of what New York like loves about a hardworking team. When you think about the last team that went to the NBA finals in 99 yep you know luttrell the reclamation project you had larry um larry johnson you had marcus Camby. you had these guys on that squad as the only six seed to ever oh, i'm sorry the only eight oh, seed eight that make, the only eight seed to ever make the nba finals so yep. they were scrappers this team has a lot of that personality that a lot of tom thibodeau but it's easy to talk about jalen brunson let's talk about the josh hart move yeah josh yeah. hart He's a key contributor who's one of those Draymond guys who do whatever you need done, who's yep. like the Malcolm Bregman type guy, Yep. will do whatever you need done to come off the bench. But I'm going to go with Rob Palenka. Okay. And okay. he's been much maligned, but he's stuck to his guns, and he found the right situation to let Russell go and bring in the type of people he wanted in the lineup or in, on that roster, mm-hmm. including taking Darvin Ham as the first-time coach.
1: Yeah.
0: And they started 2-10. and 10 and you name another team that started 2-10 that made the playoffs, i Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So the moves he made to get a, baller, a better, younger, more balanced team, D'Angelo Russell back for a second stint there. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who's going to play defense for you. You have, of course, Austin Reeves, is going to get his check next year. They'd be yep. dumb to let him go um, because of what they see. Like They're going to give him something. They want to keep him there. I think he feels comfortable there, and they feel comfortable with him. Yep. But. Rob Polinka would be my, my pick this year. And it's not just because I want to see the Lakers do well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just think no, he made the, the smartest moves. And he was very patient despite the heat on him to make a move. He made the move when he thought it was best to make the move. But yep. Um, so we have you have Scott Perry, I got Rob Polinka. Cool. Okay. okay. And if anyone out there has any other things or any other people they're they're thinking about should be in that position, let me know. You know my social media contacts. Coach of the year. Let's not. Let's. I mean, with all due respect to Mark Daniel from OKC and Joe Missoula in Boston, it's easy. Babe. It's Mike Brown. I mean, like I why play right there?
1: That's the it, first time that I've connected with you, or without any without any lead lead time. Mike I'm Brown. Saying, like I'm I'm I'm, re, I'm very very. First of all, I'm very happy for him. Right. Right. Here's a guy. He got fired after he won like sixty games. Right. Hmm. You know, he and took the you know, team to the NBA
0: finals in 2007.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, he's a guy that he's just continued to be a basketball guy, head down. You know, was in a great situation in 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 Oakland. You know, in uh, with 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 the Warriors. 18, yeah, and he got his and he got his opportunity. Unlike the guy who went 24 and oh,
0: 23 and 0, right? Luke Walton. He didn't get, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't get the victories. It's like a playing game. Those don't count for you. They count for Steve. Absolutely. But then he went to Sacktown, right? And, and didn't do it. That's a great out. point. That's a great point. He flamed out. Yeah. I, you, know? you know, though? I think it's a matter of the talent they brought in and, and putting that talent in place. You know, De'Aaron Fox was already there, but the trade to let go of Tyrese Halliburton, who was a first-time All-Star, was a difficult one. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see that backcourt with De'Aaron Fox, with Davion Mitchell, my man off night, one of the best nicknames in the league. And also with uh Tyrese Halliburton. I didn't see how that was gonna work. Somebody had to go. I thought it was gonna be Fox, to tell you the truth. Really? I thought oh, they were Fox gonna, because go? Fox had been there through all the losing. He was like, This is never gonna work here. I wanna yeah. I want out. But so Mike was able to get into his head then. I think. Mike was well, Mike and bloody dotty, we like the party D yeah. were up yeah. there in yeah. the front yeah. office yeah, saying, got like you. this is what we need <laughs> to do. And they then they got the bonus, who was the guy who like Vlade says, I like the centers who play like this. We won't get anything out of Rashawn Holmes or Alex Lynn. So yep. here, here's where we are. I think that was a great move. And for all intents and purposes, Vlade DeBos. He true. could have been executive of the year for sure. Right. So coach of the year, Mike Brown, no questions asked. Defensive player of the year, Evan Mobley, Jaren Jackson Jr., Brooke Lopez. Who do you select, sir? I, I didn't hear the third one. Brooke Lopez. From Milwaukee. Brooke Lopez. Oh, really? Brook Lopez? Yeah. What? See, and this, you know why you said really? Because he is still, for those who don't know, he's still the Nets' all time leading scorer. Not Julius Urban, not Vincent Lamar Carter or Jason Frederick Kidd, not Kevin Wayne Durant, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It is Brooke Lopez. Not even Rick Barry who played there for a little bit. Right. The leading scorer in the Nets' history is Brooke Lopez. We saw him as an offensive player. When he came to the league, Mm -hmm. when he got a different role, he stretched out, was starting to make threes at seven, three. Yes. And is a credible shooter from there. Yeah. But also became more engaged on the defensive end because he wasn't the focal point of off of the offense anymore. Mm -hmm. So kudos to him for recognizing how he had to evolve as a player, to stay in the league.
1: Yep. Fair, fair. (sighs) I'm, I'm, I have to be honest. I haven't seen a lot of Milwaukee, but I've seen a lot of Jaron Jackson jr and mm. that kid he's gritty mm. you know and 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 has his skills are are on a different level than his fathers you know and mm-hmm. i mean yeah, you know his father was you know his son was in San Antonio. right right but but i mean this kid is big moves like a gazelle and you know is really really aggressive so i you know for me it would have to be him
0: I'm, I'm 100% there with you no you know, slight to Evan Mobley or Brooke Lopez, but Jared Jackson Jr., who had a great game one, they have to figure out what they're going to do with him yes. offensively because they're going to, especially if Jai's out, they're yep. going to go at him even more. Yep. They're probably going to double him and see what he can do from a passing standpoint to make those other guys beat them. But it's going to be a problem. But I, I picked J3 as yeah. defensive player of the year. Yeah, Tony Allen's all-first team defense. I don't know if you remember that game when they were playing the, the uh, Warriors. And they had him mic'd up and he was falling on the floor stealing the ball. And he was pointing over because they didn't put him on the team. Uh-huh. Like, first team all defense. <laughs> he just kept saying it all game. So my Tony Allen's award, my Tony Allen awards are the first team all defense. And I selected Alex Caruso from the Bulls, uh-huh. Derek White from the Boston Celtics. Okay. OG Ananobi from the um, Raptors, who led the league in steals, Mm-hmm. J3, and of course, Brooke Lopez in the middle. Agree or disagree? You know I put you in that spot, right? Huh? Yeah. You know I put you in that spot. Agree or disagree. Yeah. But yeah. I already led you. Like- yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I you know, I, I have no I have no arguments with, with that, man. Because, I mean, you look, you're looking at you, you're looking at what their contributions were to the team. You mm-hmm. know, you're looking at um, stats and you're looking at the value that they add to get them where they are today. So, no arguments with
0: that. And it's, it's guys, you know, Drew Holiday could be on this list. It's a lot of guys that could have been on this list. And Drew you know, is. could have been there. like, But they did not make it. So, first team all defense, we got that on lock. Rookie of the year, Paolo Bancaro. Jalen Williams, one, the, one of the two Jalen Williams on the team in OKC. And Walker Kessler from Auburn, who played in Utah this year. Those are the three. I mean, this is an easy bait pick. It's probably it's going to be Bancaro from Fair. Orlando. Mm-hmm. But shouts out to Walker Kessler, who was not the most highly regarded coming out of Auburn because everyone thought Jamari Smith Jr. could have been number one pick in the draft. And he showed and proved at, with his poor shooting that he was not going to be that guy. He's probably going to make the all-rookie team for some people, but not for me. But Walker Kessler showed and proved. And I respect due to, again, the scouting of the uh, Utah Jazz, being able to get a guy like that on their roster and put him in the lineup to, to show and prove like he did this season. Yes, sir. Yes sir. Are you with Ben Carroll as the rookie of the year?
1: Yeah, I mean Ben Carroll, man. That that kid this you know, they, the sky is the limit for him. Right? Mm. And you know, once he gets comfortable, I think I think he's going to be he's going to be a 25 and 10 cat for many years to come.
0: Looking uh, at the league, man, I think you start to see this change in the guard. You look at all the teams in the West who are the, the top 3 in the West, the Sacramento's, the Denver's and the Memphis's. Mm-hmm. Those guys are all. Those are young teams that went through some stuff first, and went through the draft and trades and stuff to get into mm-hmm. that level. And you can start to see like teams like mm-hmm. Orlando and OKC with all these draft picks and all these young players. They're going to be the faces yep. of this league. And Paolo Banquero, who actually tied the rookie record for most twenty point games in the season, tied mm-hmm. with this guy. And I think that's been since the merger. But he's with the hashtag. He shouldn't be named because there was a guy named Wilton Norman Chamberlain from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, who probably averaged you know, 20 points every game that season. I think they mm-hmm. played 78 games back then. So, yep. <laughs> you know, just, to keep, it, just to keep it a buck. Yeah. I mean, he also won MVP of the league in his rookie year. One or two people ever do that. So let's yep. be clear. Yep. You know, that's different. But all rookie team, I got Jalen Williams from OKC, mm-hmm. Ben Matherin from Indiana, Keegan Murray, who I picked as my dark horse rookie of the year candidate on Sacramento. Okay. He's on that team, and he's the only rookie that ever hit 203 pointers in a season. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then Paolo Bancaro and Walker Kessler on my all rookie team. I'm going to put this chokehold on you, sir, so you can't even disagree with what I'm saying. I I, like I, it. I, I can't I can't
1: disagree, man. I you know, you know, I, I appreciate I appreciate you, you know, <laughs> inviting me on and giving me an opportunity to realize what I need to do to 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 be able to come back here and 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 uh
0: really challenge you. I mean that that happens really, but if you want to, you know, <laughs> you want to mix mitts, you got to be prepared. Absolutely. On, and I,
1: and you know what, man, I I I I knew what I was I was walking into. So right. I I respect your you know your your ability to to lead you know lead me down a certain path, so to make the at least to make it a you know, an interesting conversation, but, mm-hmm. you know. No, it's always going to be
0: interesting with me and yeah. you, man. Always. <laughs> always. But, but um, but I yeah, the that. team looks solid, though. So we're going to rock with that. Yes, absolutely. Before I do all in NBA teams, mm-hmm. let's go MVP, because I think this is important to do that before we go all NBA. Yep. The, the three candidates, Joel, Hans, and B, the Colonel's son. Mm-hmm. Giannis, Ugo, Terrence Tentacumpo. I gave him the Terrence middle name. That's me. And Nicola Germain, that's J apostrophe M A Y N E, Jokic, MVP <laughs> candidates. Who yeah. do you select, sir? I, so
1: I have to go with Embiid because I think that he has redefined the big man spot, right? Mm. Because You know, his footwork, his moves, the fact that he finally figured out how to stay healthy and his inside out, his outside in game, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a threat. He's a threat all over the court. And he is a big man. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, the fact that he whens the last time a center led the league in scoring Shaq. Shaq,
0: right? Like 2000, 2000. So it's like almost 25 years ago.
1: Right, and he had to he had to do that at the end of the season. Right, this cat mm-hmm. did it the entire season, played well on defense, stayed healthy. I think Doc did a real good job of of managing his minutes.
0: Sorry, sorry, he can't be called that name on the show. While Julius Irvings is still alive,
1: Glenn Glenn Rivers.
0: Anton Rivers, sir.
1: Glenn Anton Rivers of Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, Philly. <fame. laughs> um, and you know, I listen. You talk. I grew up in Philly. I watched Doc with, with you know, at the beginning of the you know, once the merger happened, so mm-hmm. you know, there's only one doctor,
0: my favorite, Julius Irvin, the second sir, of your, all the time, February 2nd, 22nd, 1950,
1: 1950. yeah, you know, I know, man, all right, <laughs> still got his posters in the garage, 100 word. So, um, so yeah, that's for me, man, you know, um, I, I think you know, I think he did a great job, and let's not forget. James
0: Harden turned his game around big time. Had to big time. No, you know the movie No Country for Old Men. Have you Absolutely. ever seen it? Absolutely. James Harden's stop here in Philadelphia was no country for old men. This is his last stop. If he this wasn't gonna stop? do it here, it was gonna yep. be a wrap. Yeah, it was gonna be a wrap for him. So he had to reconfigure Act. his game. He didn't have the explosion he once had, and he had to be a true point guard. He's one of the I think he's the only person to ever lead the league in scoring and assist. Not in the same season Nate Archibald did that. He's the only person to do that. Yeah,
1: he's the only one. He's done that that in
0: multiple seasons, to do it multiple seasons. He led the league in assists, led the league in scoring multiple times. He's the only person to do that. And he figured out his role on this team. He's the number two now. Yeah. And And he's fine with it. He accepted it. He had to accept it. He had no choice. Yeah. Had no choice. Yeah. And uh, so, shouts out to James Harden, who could have been on one of these all-NBA teams we're going to get into in a second. But I'm taking Embiid as well, so we're on the same page as that. I mean, I think Jokic, I said this last week, I think he kind of slowed down on purpose because there's a pressure that comes with being a like consecutive three-time champion or three-time MVP. That Maybe that's, that's a poor way to look at it. A guy who really wants to compete, he competes. But I just think that the way that he would have been scrutinized would have been a distraction to a guy who doesn't want distractions on him. People are saying, well, okay, you have to prove it in the playoffs. Has he proven it in the playoffs yet? And even though it's supposed to be – a regular season war, his two awards before this matter to what he's going to do now. And so I think that's part of it. I hate the idea of voter fatigue because there are a couple of guys that could have been 10, 12 time MVPs in this league. Yeah. For the sake of conversation. But I think that he's out and I think that Giannis, as you said, he feels like he's been the MVP the past past five years and he does not have a poor case. His numbers are ridiculous and they've been consistent. Yeah. And he's right in his prime to say something like that. I'm yep. one team in the league. I'm a record in the league. Like, I—it's hard to argue it. Yeah. And he could be the guy who wins it, but I'm going with Embiid as well. Yeah, yeah. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, all
1: NBA, three international players. The game has changed. Changed.
0: The game has changed. I sure, didn't, it didn't see that. I
1: didn't David Stern did. He did. He did.
0: So respect, dude, to David Stern. Blessed dead, yes, but. The All NBA First Team. Who do you have, sir? And so, you know, well, easy. Now They're going positionless next year. Are they? But this, really? year, but this year we're still positions. Okay.
1: Well, then I'm going by position because I can. I can handle. And now that. it's
0: like guard and You can do guard. It doesn't necessarily have to be power forward, small forwards, forwards, guards, and then center.
1: Well, I'm going with Embiid in the middle. I mean, okay. That's, that's and I got Giannis. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an argument for Jokic, but. No you can't,
0: can't play, play. he Jokic can't be on the first team. You have to, one center. Well, one so center, center. center So yeah. look,
1: I got to go with LeBron. I mean, this man is 38 years old, averaging 30. Sorry, what's his name again, sir? Uh, he who shall not be named. <laughs> at the at the guard positions I, I you know, I'm a you know, selfishly I'm a big fan of um I'm a big fan of
0: Jason Tatum. I'm huge Jason Tatum is two or uh, three yeah. He's a three, uh, so he would be he would not be in the guard position. He would be a forward.
1: Okay. Well then I'll have to go with Steph at one guard. Okay. Um who am I gonna go with at the two? Hell man, I can go with and Fox.
0: Yeah. I'm not mad at that. I mean my team is I have Shea Gills Alexander. Yep. yep. I got Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Um I got Jason Christopher Tatum Senior. Good. As my three. Okay. Giannis and then B my first team. But my second team is Demetrius Jamel Morant, Wardell Stephen Curry, the second. Okay. Jalen Brown at the three. Okay. The hashtag he who shan't be named, and Nicola Jermaine on my second team. Okay. My third team. Oh, my goodness. De'Aaron Fox.
1: You got him on third team?
0: De'Aaron Fox. First time out there. It's, It's tough not to put him on the first or second team, but. Okay. I mean, can I say he impacted. Memphis, or did he have more impact? Know, it's just It's tough. And this is always going to be suggest- – Look, Shea, his first team, not in the playoffs. Yep. But what he did is yeah. hard for me to take it off. So, yep. De'Aaron Fox, to me, is third team. Okay. Luka Lamar, that's with two R's. Luka yep. Lamar Doncic, whose team fell off the cliff. Jimmy Butler, Murray Markkinen, yep. and not your Vetus or, or my Vetus, but our Vetus Sabonis, and Demonis Sabonis. <laughs> At the five, so that's my first, second, and third teams. Do you have any disagreements, sir? I I can't I can't argue other than Fox because you had Fox in your first team, and I respect that. I
1: I can't argue it, man. I can't argue it. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, those top fifteen, man. You think about the body of work. There are a few that you could argue could be second, and maybe swap one out and first, Mm. right? All had fantastic years for sure.
0: 100 and For sure what is also fantastic is the time I got to spend with my man Chip Langdon yeah man on the podcast. way long Will where can they find you on these rough interweb streets when they want to hear you talk about St Michael Jeffrey of Wilmington <laughs> or the family guy talk to me uh
1: they can find me you're talking about on Instagram you can find yes, 32 chip 33 that was my elementary and high school numbers and my college number on the back end under Curtis Langdon. Well I'm I, I appreciate I appreciate all of the acknowledgement, man, because I, I feel like I'm DMU like crazy and I haven't gotten too many like pump the
0: brakes. <laughs> no look man, I mean yeah. it's good to stay in touch with people. Absolutely. You known, and if this is the way that we connect, yes. You know, it's important for me. To, Absolutely. Like, I don't always get to answer all of them, but I do see them and I yeah. do honor them. And, and you know, I yeah. respect that we stay in touch, man. It's it's, it's been a been... pleasure doing this with you. I don't know if you watch this show Snowfall. I need mean to watch it. Okay, well, Jerome, um, who's one of the characters on the show, he's like a tough guy, big Jerry Curl. He punched out this one dude. He'll, Teach a man how to squabble. I'm trying to show you if you come on here and you, yep, have, you, you got gotta be ready to bumble, you have to be ready to bumble with the B, sir.
1: Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, man, this has been, man. You just made my year, man. I mean, we haven't talked like this in twenty a long time.
0: It's been a long time,
1: 25. long time, man.
0: We'll do it again soon, sir.
1: We will. We will, my man. Peace, my man.
0: It's now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. Want to thank my very special guest, my man Chip Langdon of Iona College. Oh, just a good friend that I used to hoop with in New York City for coming on and doing the award show with me and just kind of talk about the playoffs like you would with your friend at a bar or in your man cave or in your basement or whatever the case might be, watching the game. So shouts out to Chip. And with that being said, it's now time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. Feeling bad right now. The University of Memphis commit Mikey Williams, one of the most visible prep players on the social media scene. All over a million followers has deals with Puma and doing this thing before he even makes College of the Pros is also doing this thing in jail as he was arrested this past weekend for assault with a deadly weapon. The details of this situation will further reveal themselves in time, but not a good look for a young man who had his entire life ahead of him could be really bad for him moving forward, but we will see. We'll not pass judgment until we understand everything that's going on here, but he was arrested and I don't know what that's going to do to shine a certain light on the program, even though he hasn't played there not even signed there yet, of one Anthony Penny Hardaway. But moving forward, another commit who is making sure he does not commit to a college or university, A.J. Johnson, I think he's number 28 on the ESPN 100 prep players, has chosen to go professional with the Elwara Hawks of the NBL, the National Basketball League of Australia, much like Lomelo Ball, to test the waters there and improve his draft position while still earning a living. Congratulations and good luck to you young man. And since we're talking about college and actually going, for the first time on Parisian soil, we'll have NCAA basketball on the women's side. As a matter of fact, as Coach Neil Ivey of the University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish will face off against Coach Dawn Staley and the University of South Carolina Gamecocks who will look dramatically different next year. I'm looking forward to seeing this game. And also, shout out to a young lady who is reshaping her life after a traumatic situation in Russia, Brittany Griner, who is writing a memoir about her time there. I'm looking forward to reading that, hopefully being able to give some of those away, as luck might have it, even have her on the podcast to kind of talk about that. So look forward to that, Brittany Griner. Also, as we approach the WNBA season in just a month, Neka Gumake, the president of the WNBPA, noted the racial disparities in coverage of players who are black versus those who are white. Now, with 80% of the players winning the major awards being black in this league, there was almost three times the coverage on players who are not black in that league. People say that race always has to come up in these situations, but again, we didn't make this world. We just inhabited it, and the fact that we bring it up is because it's there and it's always a factor in decisions that people make and how stories are propagated and narratives are created. So shouts out to Neka Agumake for standing up for the women, all the women actually, when you think about it, of the WNBA and how the coverages of this game, which are exploding right now, all they're looking for is more balance and more opportunities for the women who are really achieving some things because the little girls who look like them would like to do the same things. Shouts out to my man Magic Johnson, who is a part of a group along with Philadelphia 76ers owner Josh Harris, who purchased the Washington Commanders of the NFL for a lofty $6 billion. Yes, that's with a B. Diversify your portfolios. There are blueprints, young people. There are blueprints. Magic Johnson is doing his thing. Shouts out to those guys and good luck to the Washington Commanders. Also, shouts out to Mark Cuban. Well, I guess in a cheeky way, because that's what he does, even though he doesn't have his top foil of all time. David Stern, who we thought was a bully, to bully him around. The NBA investigated the Mavericks' movements at the end of the season, sitting and resting players against how the NBA has mandated they be rested when necessary, only to manipulate their draft position and make sure they didn't have to pay the back end of their trade to the New York Knicks for the protected number 10 pick in the draft. So they fined them $750,000. Mark Cuban said, hey. Uh, match that fine with another 750000 to a charity of choice. Congratulations, Mark Cuban. Dallas Mavericks fans, I can understand your pain. Shout out to my man, Ryan Antonio Henry. When it's Dame time, when I was Dame talk time, as he's making demands to the Portland Trail Blazers, who made sure that they paid him and he got his max money, now it's time for him to move. It's Chestnut Checkers. If you don't make a commitment to winning, I'll have to examine my options. I see you, my guy. I see how you're moving. I want to say respect, dude, but I don't know if I respect it in so much as I understand it from a political standpoint. He has a great deal of leverage in this situation because they can deal with a disgruntled Damian Lillard who will go out and play. He's not going to point shave on his game, but if he's not in a good frame of mind and you have these young assets who you want to build with, with Chauncey Billups in the fold, have to make some decisions this summer. The draft will tell you a lot about what they do with Damian Lillard if they do anything at all. Shout out to my man Trey Young, who handled the media leak about a potential trade. Trade everybody, including Trey Young, according to unsubstantiated reports. Didn't affect him in their playing game, made sure they made the playoffs. Maybe it affected him in his first game of the playoffs against the Boston Celtics, who always schemed well against him. But in his last seven playoff games, he's 8 for 49 from deep. That's no bueno. And in order for the Hawks to have any chance against the Boston Celtics, he has to play a whole lot better. Before we get out of here, from the fuck up the church house money files at the Open Run HQ, a man Josh Holloway, young Memphian and also the high school player who accused John Morant of punching him and flashing a weapon at him at his home while they were playing basketball, has been countersued by John Morant, who says that the kid throwing the basketball in Josh's face could cause caused grave danger to his eyes and his nose and his ability to play the game, it can cost him almost forty million dollars as he plays toward a new contract for the Memphis Grizzlies. So the difference between $193 million guaranteed and $131 million guaranteed will be justified by virtue of a lawsuit against a teenager. We gotta do better. And hopefully Ja is playing in the playoffs and in game two against the Lakers. And hopefully you'll be coming back for more next week on the podcast where basketball and life are one. So do remember, do what's popular with the population Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble and keep listening to The Open Run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, my mellow, my man. Do what you do when you do it. And happy 10th anniversary to your first and only solo album release. I'm looking forward to the party, my guy. Easy.